When we hold on to grievance and pain from the past, we keep ourselves from being able to really move into our fullest expression of self. We need to practice forgiveness from the soul recovery perspective, dissipating the energy and releasing the past for good. If you're interested in this profound transformation, I invite you to join me in Colorado the weekend of June 8th and 9th to have an incredible experience with others on this same soul recovery journey. Two full days of immersion in the soul recovery process where you will indeed leave transformed. You will be able to truly let go of these old pains and step into a new way of being. Check out the show notes for a coupon code and how to register. My name is Reverend Rachel Harrison, and this is the Recover Your Soul podcast, a spiritual path to a happy and healthy life. I started Recover Your Soul after having profound changes in my life from my recovery of alcoholism, control addiction, and codependency. I was guided to share the tools and principles of spirituality and soul recovery to help others transform their lives as mine was transformed. For us to overcome external circumstances, we must first turn the attention to ourselves, focusing on inner change. Outer positive results in our lives will follow. As a spiritual coach, I can support you on your path to make real changes that will bring you a life of peace, happiness, connection, and abundance. Visit the website recoveryoursoul.net to book coaching sessions, read the blog, listen to some of my original music, and subscribe to receive email updates. I think of Recover Your Soul as a community. Follow us on social media and join the private Facebook group to support each other and connect. For an extra episode each week and to support this podcast, become a Patreon member or subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul. This is the second episode of Recover Your Soul, and I was thinking, what did I really want to talk about? And what I thought is I wanted to talk about listening, one of the greatest gifts that I have learned in my recovery is how to be a better listener. And in being a better listener, I've learned so much more about myself and how to be a better service to the people around me. So as we do in recovery, I will go ahead and talk about how it was, how I got here and where I am today. And as my first episode talked about that, I'm a fixer. So in addition to being sober from alcohol, I'm also working on having a sobriety and a recovery from trying to fix everything and everyone around me. And what I've observed about myself in this new chapter in my life is that I am doing a much better job of just being present with people. I used to think that my job was to make sure that everybody else was okay. And if they were okay, then I could be okay. So instead of really actively listening to what was happening with somebody, almost instantaneously from the time that they started talking, my mind was already racing to try to come up with a solution. 
And I know that you've been with somebody where you're just trying to share what's going on with your life and they are going to tell you exactly what you should do. And they're coming from a place in their heart where they really want to be of service to you and they think that they're being helpful. But when you're in that situation, you just feel unheard and completely shut down. It's a practice that takes a lot of work and I'm not even remotely perfect at it at all. But I do believe that it is important to talk about. So what I would do in the past, I think, is I thought that I was a really good listener. I believed I was a really good listener. But what I was really doing was trying to evaluate what the solution was. And and in that, I would cut people off. I wouldn't let them finish the full sentence. I thought I already knew what the what they were getting at. So I wanted to kind of head off the words that were going to come afterwards because I already knew what they were going to say or what they were talking about. But what is happening now and has happened through sitting in a whole different light is the realization that I want to be heard, that when it's my turn to talk, I really just want somebody to hear me and believe that I can find the solution myself, or maybe ask a couple questions. They're going to give me some insight to be able to have a place that's safe to run around with different ideas, to contemplate different ideas, and to have somebody that you can run those ideas off of that gives you some reality. Some of our ideas are completely off base, and we're in a place where we're attacking ourselves or our judge is all over ourselves or we are being completely self-righteous. But most of the time, we're really just in a place where our brain needs to slow down enough through talking to somebody else to come up with the solutions. So where I first noticed this in myself, when I did recovery the first time, which was about nine or 10 years ago, and my husband came with me and we were in the rooms of uh, 12 step Alcoholics Anonymous and people would start sharing. Well, first of all, when I first started recovery, the funniest part was that I couldn't remember people's names from the time that they started talking and said what their name was till we got to the end. And, and you're supposed to say, thank you, whatever their name was. And I was so foggy from drinking in all honesty and where my brain was at that I couldn't remember. But the other reason I couldn't remember was because I wasn't actually listening to what they were saying. I wasn't being present and quiet with where they were at. I often, very often, if you were to ask my husband, would listen to what that person was saying and think, oh, I wish he could hear this or this is something that he needs to listen to and do. And I would nudge him in the, in the ribs saying, I hope you're paying attention, you know, without the words. And he would look at me with a sly eye from the side and raise his eyebrows with the, what are you doing? And what are you saying? Look, I wasn't listening for me. I was listening for something else. I was listening for somebody else. I wasn't really hearing where that person was at. It was completely ego structure in my own head about what that meant to me. 
I wasn't being present for that person who had something to share, who had some insight, who was sharing uh, their own sorrows, their own life experiences, sometimes real deep sadness, shame, suffering. And if I could be present with that, it meant that I would have to be present with my own. So if I left a meeting, I probably couldn't tell you what anybody had said, except for that maybe I'd picked up a couple things that I thought that my husband or somebody else that I knew I wished they'd heard because it would be good for them and not necessarily for me. And I think that in the end, if I really think about the healing that has come in my life, the ability to hold space for somebody else who's really struggling and to know that I don't have to fix it, that I don't have to solve it, that what that person's asking for is someone just to be present with them and to feel with them and to hold that space with them because that's what I want too. So now two and a half years back into the rooms, not quite two and a half years, this time through I made a change in, first of all, who was doing the recovery. I think I'd spent so much time obsessing over wanting other people to change, specifically my husband, that I lost sight of who can create the change. And the change comes from ourselves. The only control we have is to do something about ourselves, to see a different perspective, to accept somebody for who they are, to let go of the what-ifs, to let go of the pretends that we have, to really take responsibility for the walk that we walk and how we're going to see ourselves in the world and that it doesn't lay on somebody else's shoulders. We are completely responsible for our own self-esteem. So when I walked into the rooms this time, I think I had a different layer of the onion having had three and a half years of it before, and the teachings of uh, unity. And I was really at a place where that unmanageability was so raw in me. I was coming up to 50, and you just kind of look at your life and you think, am I ever going to get it? You know, like, where's the happiness? When, when am I going to not feel this way? And that's what they say, you know, everyone's bottom is a different bottom. And for me, it wasn't a loss of a job or jail or, you know, a car accident, although it could have been. Luckily, it wasn't. But I would say that a lot of that misery came for a lack of listening. A lack of listening to others and a lack of listening to myself. I think that we get so caught up in trying to please everybody around us, trying to fix everything around us so that we're not uncomfortable, so that the people around us aren't uncomfortable, that we'll fill the space with almost anything. How often have you been in a situation where no one's talking and how does that feel? 
Does that feel comfortable to have all that blank space? Or are you just dying to figure out how to fill it that it's uncomfortable? So the second time I walked into the rooms, something changed. And I had this place where I listened. And I didn't listen to the other people's stories thinking, well, how does this relate to me? And do I have anything that goes with this? And is this anything to do with my life? And am I going to learn anything from this? I just tried to be present for that person for what they were experiencing and what they were sharing. And in that, gifts were given to me in little nuggets of light bulb moments or epiphanies or connections. And sometimes it was a connection that was very relevant to my situation oh, they had a situation that was similar to my situation and here's what they did about it and here's how they feel about it. That gives me hope that I can do that too. Sometimes it was situations I couldn't even begin to connect with on that level. But what I connected with was another human being that was struggling, that had struggled, that was being human, that was offering their humanness and their vulnerability. And not only could I be present with them for those three or five minutes when that person was talking, God forbid I didn't think about myself, but I didn't think about myself. And I didn't nudge my husband thinking, oh, I hope he's getting this so that he can learn something from it. That was a big change. And then that started to slip out into my life. Started to slip out into how I relate to friends or coworkers and especially my spouse. We still struggle quite a bit, to be completely honest, with really allowing, I think, the length of time that we would each like to have to talk without the other person saying a single thing. But if you looked at how we had spoken to each other two years ago to how we speak to each other today, it's remarkable. And I think that what ends up happening in that is it gives the space for each of us to figure out kind of where our head's at without the other person having to jump in and point it out or fix it or give us that advice or tell us that we're doing it wrong or tell us that we're doing it right. In the beginning of our recovery, we have another friend in recovery who had meetings with us. She had rules. And the rules were that you treated this marriage meeting like you would a 12 step meeting. You started with a prayer. You had rules about when you were talking, just like in a 12 step meeting, what you're really supposed to talk about is your own mind, your own experience, and not blame or victim, play victim, not blame the other person. Here's what the other person is doing to me. Just like in 12-step, you're supposed to be taking responsibility for your own side of the street. And when we first started doing these sessions with her, it wasn't easy. She would set the timer for three or five minutes for each us to have a time to talk. And man, was it hard not to talk for those three or five minutes while the other person was talking. But something shifted as we had this practice with a mediator who kind of set these boundaries for us to change the interactions that we had with each other. We've been married for 25 years. We've been in and out of drinking and not drinking, 
trying to be healthier and not healthier, being healthy in our relationship, not healthy in our relationship, separated, back together for 25 years. And in the last two years, the relationship that we have is because we've learned to listen. We've learned to respond instead of to react. What she told us in those initial sessions was the essentialness of our being able to feel safe. And the truth is, neither one of us felt safe. Didn't let us talk. They weren't listening. And I think then I look at my friends and it can be hard to listen sometimes when you're around people that are really struggling and I am the queen of advice. That is one of my benefits and character defects all at the same time. I really want to help people. And that's the reason I'm doing this podcast. In all honesty, if there is some nugget that I can offer you, then I have given you a gift. And I want to do that for you. But I also have learned that that's not mine to give to you. That is yours to give to yourself. It is not the first time that I had heard that being a good listener was important. Not at 50 years old was not the first time. But somehow now, something changed in my ability to just be present and listen. Most of us just want to be validated and seen and heard. Our feelings are not unique to the world, but they're unique to ourselves. It's amazing how few of us are given the permission to feel our feelings. How often have you said, I feel sad, and somebody says, oh, don't feel sad. I'm angry. Oh, don't be angry. What if those are my feelings? What if we're given permission to feel those feelings so that we can work through them and we can let them go and move on? Now, being a good talker, if you're with a good listener, doesn't mean that you get to spend all the time complaining about how everybody else in the world should be different and change, and if they only changed, you'd be happy. That's complaining. That's being a victim. And hurt's real. When you come from an I statement and you come from a place that says, I feel hurt because this happened, and I can see the hurt that's happening, and it's making me angry, and I'm shutting down from it, that's work. That is emotional growth. But when we come from a place that says, if only so-and-so would do such-and-such, then I would be happy, then we're going to be miserable. So how do we listen to each other? How do we talk from our heart and allow ourselves to have spiritual development? How do we give the capacity to hold space for somebody else? And in that holding space for somebody else, we actually can hold more space for ourselves. Recovery is not just recovery from a substance. Recovery to me is about spiritual growth and learning to let go of that which is holding us back and keeping us numb and being willing to look deeper into ourselves and come away from those actions, those behaviors that are keeping us closed off from ourselves and from those around us. It's hard for me to look back sometimes and think about the years that were lost in arguments with my spouse. And that now, in the days of COVID, 
and being home together a lot more, that we can have communication that's actual real listening. And through that listening, the connection that we have is deeper than a connection than we've had in 25 years. And it came from being better listeners to each other. I don't have to solve everything. And the truth is, once I really let go of that, that's a relief. We all have our responsibility for our own lives, but we want the people around us to love us and hear us and see us for just who we are so that we can grow and be better for it. So I hope that you'll take some time today to listen to yourself more gently. Hold your tongue a little bit while someone else is talking. And when you catch yourself wanting to finish their sentence for them because they're going too slow or fix the problem because you know how to fix it, to just take a couple minutes to listen. Be curious. Be curious for them. Maybe instead of tell them what to do, maybe ask a question. How are they feeling? What are more ideas about that? Tell me more. I heard once that... If you really allow somebody to talk, at some point they'll say, I'm finished. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. And I hope this episode offered you tools, guidance, and inspiration on your journey to recover your soul. If you'd like some support and encouragement with your soul recovery, book a coaching session with me. When you're ready for change, it's amazing what can be done in just a few sessions. There's never any long-term commitment. This is your personal journey, and I'm just here to be a guide and assist you in connecting with your fullest and happiest self. Visit the website recoveryoursoul.net, where you can find more about me, Rev. Rachel, book your spiritual coaching sessions, subscribe to receive email updates, and even listen to some of my original music. We thank you for supporting the production of this podcast by donating on the homepage or subscribing on Apple Podcasts or becoming a Patreon member. When you become a member or a subscriber, you're going to receive an extra bonus episode each week, and your support is really appreciated. By following, subscribing, and reviewing this podcast on your favorite platform, you're helping to spread the Recover Your Soul message. We hope that you will follow us on Instagram and Facebook and even join the private Facebook group to become part of our transformational community. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul. The Recover Your Soul podcast and its content is for educational purposes only and is not allied or representative of any organizations or religions. It's based on the opinions and experience of Reverend Rachel Harrison. Recover Your Soul claims no responsibility to any persons or entity for any liability, loss, damage, or cause alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of its use. Applications or interpretations of the information represented herein. Take what you need and leave the rest.